Welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour on the topic of equine influenza. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2020 by Merck Animal Health. Our guest for this episode is Wendy Valla, the MD, a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine. She is a senior technical services veterinarian with Merck Animal Health. Dr. Valla spent 25 years in private practice in an academia before joining Merck in 2004. Thank you, Dr. Valla, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to give us an update on equine influenza. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, before we start, I, I went and pulled a little information from the Equine Disease Communication Center from January the 1st of 2019 to date. And there have been 101 confirmed or highly suspect cases of equine influenza in the United States. But that doesn't include the number of horses reported exposed to the virus, which was estimated to be over 300 horses. So that's like a three to one exposed to number confirmed. So remember, not all states require flu to be reported. So Dr. Vala, why is it so hard to keep horses from getting equine influenza? Great question and no single answer uh, for that. It, it's really a reflection of several properties. Uh, first, influenza never stays the same. And we as people, I think, are accustomed to needing a, a new flu shot every year. And we always hear that the companies are trying to figure out which new strains to put in our seasonal flu vaccination. Human flu changes very readily. But equine influenza changes as well, just a bit more slowly. And that means every time influenza infects a horse and begins to replicate, it undergoes chance mutations. And so what comes out at the end of a replication might be just a little bit different than the flu that was circulating last month or last year. And so we need to make certain that our current inactivated vaccines are updated periodically so we catch up to or remain ahead of influenza. Otherwise, the antibodies generated by our vaccines may not be a perfect match to the currently circulating strain and our horses may be unprotected or partially protected by uh, outdated vaccines. The other problem is that flu has a very short incubation period. 24 to 48 hours. And so prior to COVID-19 days, but with horses traveling a lot around the country, farm to farm, to training clinics, if a horse comes in and is shedding influenza and the farm does not have a good biosecurity program in place, in 24 hours, the virus could have spread through the air and infected multiple horses on the premise. So short incubation period and the fact that the virus itself is always changing, those two properties alone can explain why we see flu showing up again and again. And I think the other misconception is that flu only affects young horses or horses that travel and compete. And that's a misconception. And a lot of folks then let their guard down with their backyard pleasure horses um, or maybe their older horses as far as vaccinating them or keeping them up to date because they'll say, oh, they don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. And so I'd like to 
you know, share by way of background, Merck has been running a respiratory biosurveillance study for over 12 years now. And we have over 320 clinics across the country that will send in samples, nasal swabs and a blood sample uh, when they have horses showing upper respiratory disease. And we've been monitoring and doing PCR for a number of upper respiratory diseases, including flu. And in those 12 plus years, we've seen flu change. We've seen it affecting more and more middle-aged horses. So rather than just horses less than five, we're seeing it show up in the six to 10 year olds now on a more regular basis. We're seeing it show up in horses that have been vaccinated for flu, which again, makes you wonder is the current flu that's circulating no longer adequately uh, neutralized by our current vaccines. And then we're also noticing that pleasure horses are showing up almost as frequently as performance horses. So your horse doesn't have to leave your farm to potentially be exposed to influenza. And the virus, once a horse is sick, the horse may shed the virus in his cough, in his nasal secretions, for maybe three to eight days or longer. But we need to remember that we can carry the virus on our hands, on tack, on brushes, long enough to spread it to other horses. So even if your horse doesn't leave your barn, if other people, veterinarians, dentists, trainers, riders come and go, then you still have the potential that the virus could enter via a person rather than a horse. And so I think our misconception of what flu looks like and the horses that are at risk, and we never want to become too complacent that all of our vaccines are still working as well as they did 10 years ago. All those come together, I think, to create that perfect storm that we keep seeing flu across the country, all ages, all lifestyles, all breeds. So you were talking about the biosurveillance program, and we actually had a podcast on that people can go back and listen to, which is, to me, it's really interesting to hear what all has gone on with that. But, you know, the, the summary of that is if you have a horse in your practice that has an upper respiratory infection, I think what you have said before, it's always better to test than guess. So yep. what are you looking for in this, Dr. Vala? Well, the biosurveillance, uh, we wanted as a company to try and understand what some of these upper respiratory diseases really look like. Because a lot of times, horses will get a cough, nasal discharge, and somebody say, oh, maybe it's herpes virus. Oh, maybe it's flu. And you'd be surprised what some of these horses test positive for. And so we look for equine influenza, equine herpes virus one, equine herpes virus four, streptococcus equi, uh, as well as the two rhinitis viruses. And that's what has changed our perception as an example of influenza. And you know that idea that, oh, it's probably just a young horse disease, nope. And it's not a performance horse disease. It can happen in your pleasure horses. And your partially protected horses may show you such subtle signs that you might miss it if you weren't doing a nasal swab and taking their temperature. And so the criteria 
for testing a horse through the study with the clinics we have enrolled, a horse must have a fever and be showing one or more upper respiratory signs, like a cough, a nasal discharge. And then some people say, well, what difference does it make? You know, if it's a virus, you're not going to treat it with antibiotics. Well, that's an important point right there. If it is a virus, you're not going to put a horse on antibiotics that it doesn't need. You're going to provide supportive care and knowing if it's influenza versus equine herpes, you know, one will, will cause you to maybe recommend slightly different um, biosecurity, length of quarantine, um, what you do as far as vaccinating. If you can make better recommendations if you know what you're dealing with. And influenza is a perfect example. If I had a barn that I now diagnosed influenza in and I had been vaccinating that barn, I'd want to know what vaccine I'm using. You know, take a look at the vaccine you're using and try to understand while, why properly vaccinated horses were not adequately protected. And that would make me go back and take a look at that isolate. And so that's what we're also doing with this study. We, we own or, or save all those positive samples, including the flu isolates. And so periodically, we go back and we look at some of the worst outbreaks or the horses that were the sickest or vaccinated horses, and we will sequence certain parts of the influenza virus and compare them to earlier isolates to see just how much the flu virus is changing. And we've even gone a step closer or deeper. If you look at the, if you imagine the flu virus, it's surrounded by a lipid envelope and then embedded on the surface of flu into sticking into that lipid envelope are these surface proteins, neuraminidase and um, the hemagglutinin. And it is the hemagglutinin or what we call the HA glycoprotein that is probably the most important part of flu. And when we develop flu vaccines, particularly killed vaccines or inactivated, the goal is to generate antibodies that will attach to that hemagglutinin glycoprotein. And if they attach successfully, it will neutralize the virus. And so a perfect match of vaccine to the flu isolate, in essence, will prevent flu infection from ever occurring. Well, what we now do is we sequence all the amino acid segments that make up that glycoprotein, that hemagglutinin, and we compare it with the flu strains that we have in our current vaccine, and we compare it to what the International OIE Surveillance Board currently recommends. And we know we have clade one and clade two equine influenza circulating in the world. Here in the US, it's just clade one. And, and we've made some really interesting observations that there are probably eight very important sites on that hemagglutinin where if the amino acid changes in those sites, we are more likely to see a mismatch between our vaccine and the current virus if they don't match in those eight sites. So we've learned a lot. And we also selected the clade one 
flu isolate that we recently added to our prestige line of vaccines, we selected that clade one from a very big outbreak of flu among well-vaccinated sport horses in Florida in 2013. So this biosurveillance study has just yielded incredible amounts of information, both you know, what diseases look like, prevalence of diseases, and now in the case of flu, it actually gave us uh, a very important clade one strain of flu uh, that we added to our, our vaccine. And let's talk about vaccines for a minute. We know vaccination is our best protection, especially for horses that travel, or as you said, there are other horses, even if they stay home, can be affected by fomites, the people who bring things. Mm -hmm. But how do we get owners to vaccinate more? What are some facts that we can help with vets to support vaccination? Well, one is testing because sometimes they don't believe it until you can show them a positive result that yes, this is influenza. So when I suggest you vaccinate your horse annually, if not twice a year for flu, here's why. Um, I think they also need to understand influenza the, the symptoms may come and go fairly quickly within, you know, four or five days. The fever may be gone. The coughing may be stopping, nasal discharge improving. But influenza can really destroy the lining cells of the upper respiratory tract of the horse. And so if owners have young horses in training or even pleasure horses, it's very important after flu that they be given a long enough period of rest or these horses can develop secondary problems like reactive airway disease or even lower respiratory tract infections. And so again, flu is more than just a cough and a snotty nose. Um, we can see real change in exercise performance if they're not rested a long enough period of time. And we usually say one week off for every day of fever, and they're usually febrile, at least several days. So that's a good three weeks of rest. Um, the other thing, you know, we have to consider is we never know when flu is going to make a major change. Right now, equine flu is undergoing what we call antigenic drifting. And so it's always changing, but fairly subtle changes. So it's still a clade one, but it looks different and our vaccines may or may not be working as well if we don't update them. Flu has the ability to undergo a major change, what we call reassortment, in which case it may pop out as an entirely new clade. And so I think we need, we don't need to wait for that event to happen. We need to be on top of it. And part of that is maintaining adequate herd immunity and so having enough horses maintained on a proper vaccination program, even if we were to have a major change, we're probably still going to see some cross protection um, rather than witnessing a, a real pandemic. You know, I, every time we talk about flu, you know, human flu, the worst pandemic was the Spanish flu in 1917, 1918. It coincided with World War One. And in less than four months, more than 50 million people around the world died of that flu. And that was a major shift. So we, we worry about that um, to some degree in the horse world. We haven't seen that. Probably the closest we've come 
would be like Australia. And there it wasn't that flu changed, it's that flu, flu snuck through quarantine and entered that huge island country where they did not vaccinate for flu. And so there we had in less than 90 days, over 76,000 horses become infected. So I think influenza has the potential to spread rapidly if it changes just enough. And that's why a combination of good biosecurity, testing sick horses to know what you're dealing with and vaccinating. And, and those are just good habits to have in place to prevent any kind of you know catastrophic problem. And I will mention last year, I don't know if folks saw the, the article, but between January and July, lost close to, I think it was 60,000 donkeys in Western Africa to influenza. So it's out there. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is sponsored by the Prestige line of influenza vaccines from Merck Animal Health. As we're all acutely aware, safe and effective vaccines are critically important. And like human flu vaccines, equine flu vaccines must be updated to protect against the flu strains circulating now. Prestige flu-containing vaccines include the most current flu strains, protecting your patients from illness and time-missed training because of it. Put your trust in Prestige flu vaccines and learn more about the science of advanced protection at prestigevaccines.com. Well, and speaking of seasons, we used to think of flu, you know, give your spring and fall mm-hmm. vaccines while we're talking about it. So I think you have mentioned before when we've talked, Dr. Valla, about maybe we need to rethink as veterinarians when those vaccines are given. Yes, you've got a great memory. You're right. Because another thing this biosurveillance study has shown us is we start to see a peak in our flu submissions beginning in mid to late January. It peaks going into February, March, and then it's really tapering off by April. And so if you think of when many people administer their spring vaccinations, It may be in March and April, which is really at the tapering end of flu season. And then if they do give a booster six months later, they're often giving a booster in the fall. Well, if I vaccinate my horse in September and I do the math, my antibodies should be tapering off just as flu season is getting started. So- We've been suggesting rethinking our flu vaccinations. And in high-risk courses, if you read the AAP guidelines, it's recommended to vaccinate every six months. And so rather than vaccinating against flu spring and fall, maybe we do it winter, summer, based on when we see flu and we see the spike in cases. But I would definitely reconsider when you vaccinate um, prior to, you know, peak flu season. If you've got a high risk horse, I'd want to be vaccinating late fall, early winter, and not September, October. That's a good tip. And speaking of tips of vaccination, we know that there are a lot of organizations now that require 
vaccines for flu be given within a certain amount of time mm -hmm. before the horse steps on the grounds, which may mean horses are being vaccinated more frequently than every six months, but also, you know, trying to time it so that they have the highest antibody protection when they're on the ground. So can you maybe give the vets a few tips about that? Yes, and, and I think the USEF has kind of stepped up and, and tried to place some control over the frequency of vaccinations. Because for a while there, every show could institute its own guidelines. You need to have a current vaccine within three months, within 60 days, within 90 days. And if horses competed and traveled, they could end up being vaccinated three to four times a year, whether they needed it or not, just to be in compliance with all the different show requirements. And so what the USEF has done and tried to follow the guidelines put out by the AAEP, they say any USEF regulated show um, can only require vaccinations for influenza and herpes every six months. And if they want to institute a more frequent vaccination schedule, that has to be cleared with the USEF. And, and I think that's a, a great start <clears throat> because there really was no rationale for more frequent vaccinations. And we have good challenge studies, particularly with influenza and our current vaccines, to support that you do not need to, to administer the vaccine more frequently. And those are inactivated vaccines. Um, we have one modified live intranasal vaccine, uh, and that has been shown to be very effective uh, being used single dose for priming uh, and also used in the face of an outbreak because of its rapid onset of protection, particularly in previously vaccinated horses. So I think the the guidelines that have been put out help us reinforce what we know to be good medicine so that we're not vaccinating without sound reason. Well, and let's let's talk about outbreaks for a minute. I mean, so we're getting more and better information due to the Equine Disease Communication Center of confirmed cases. And again, as you've reminded me, not every state requires that influenza be reported. So mm -hmm. there is that problem. But if you have had flu reported in your region, especially as horses are starting to get back out and compete, what is your advice to veterinarians about that? I would be taking a look at all my all my accounts to see when they were last vaccinated. And then I would be particularly concerned as to what I'm using to vaccinate. So are we seeing vaccinated horses getting sick? If so, then it begs the question, is the vaccine providing adequate cross protection? Maybe I need to change the vaccine. Um, the other, you know, is again, good biosecurity. And influenza, because of that short incubation, um, you need to be particularly wary. You don't get a second chance. You know, if if you're on the grounds, we know droplets can spread up to 50 yards. So even in well-ventilated barns, uh, if a new strain of influenza comes along, um, you could be infected you know, within a day or two. And by the time you know you've got sick horses, it's too late to quarantine them. Uh, so I would be taking a look at my vaccination program. 
I would be boostering horses that were not current within six months if they're going to be in any way, shape, or uh, exposed either by traveling to a show or by having individuals that either ride horses or compete or again farriers or anybody who might be coming or going in the area i would look at them as again a potential uh, route of entry for the virus so i'd be educating my clients about the advantages of influenza vaccination if you're in the middle of an outbreak on a large say a large premise or at a showgrounds that's where i would consider doing perimeter vaccination with the modified live influenza. And again, you only want to vaccinate healthy horses, but because the flu avert intranasal has such a rapid onset of protection, you have a chance to stop the spread within a premise. And, and that would be an excellent place to, to try using the flu avert. And I want to go back again, because you, you mentioned this before, but I want to maybe delve into it just a little deeper. That partially protected horses, they might not show the same clinical signs of equine influenza as a horse that's not been vaccinated and gets full-blown flu. So you mentioned biosecurity, you mentioned testing, but you know maybe what will people see if their horse is partially protected? What, what will veterinarians be looking for? One of the simplest things would be a fever. And you know we tell owners over and over again, monitor your horse's temperature when you're on the road, when you're traveling, take the temperature. And, and we know a lot of times that goes unheated. So ideally, monitoring temperatures of horses morning and night when they're on the road and ensuring that they are remaining within their own normal range. The other thing you might notice is just a horse that's a little off color. Maybe appetite isn't as good as it could be. But a lot of these partially protected horses may never develop a cough or a nasal discharge, but they almost always will develop even a low-grade fever that would go missed if you're not normal, you know, routinely taking the temperatures. And even though they don't look sick, they are still transmitting the virus, so they are contributing to the spread of infection. And and that's what you know, a big problem. You don't know how big the problem is until you've got clinically ill horses, and then you're trying to figure out who brought it in. Okay. Well, is there anything else that maybe we, we didn't touch on that you would like to mention about equine influenza? Well, I, what often comes up is the question of what, what guidelines do I follow when you pick which vaccine you use? And that is a personal decision. Um, the OIE, that International Surveillance panel meets every year. They usually meet sometime in quarter one of every year. And they're reviewing voluntarily submitted flu samples that come into their reference, reference labs around the world. And they make decisions or recommendations as to when they think strains should be updated in equine vaccines. And their latest recommendation is still that vaccines for horses, particularly those for the international travel, should contain a relevant clade one and a relevant clade two flu. And right now they list as clade one, a Ohio O3 like strain. So that means it should be similar to the Ohio 
flu isolate that was identified in 2003. So that's a number of years ago. You should also have a relevant clade two strain, particularly if your horses are traveling out of the country, but a clade two that is similar to Richmond 07. And so we've got a Richmond 07 in our prestige line, but we questioned whether Ohio 03 was new enough, was current enough to be protecting horses against influenza today, because after all, it's been a number of years and flu continues to change. And so when we isolated Florida 2013, we isolated it from a group of well-vaccinated sport horses at the HIT show in Ocala, Florida, where you've got over 3,500 sport horses coming together for nine weeks every winter, perfect flu season. We sequenced Florida 13 and we compared it in those key eight key sites on the hemagglutinin, we compared it to Ohio 03. And we found that in only two sites was it similar to Ohio 03. The amino acids had changed in six out of those eight sites. And we believe that's why horses that had been vaccinated were getting sick with Florida 13. That's why we added Florida 13. Well, we've gone one step further and we keep comparing current isolates back to Florida 13 at those key sites and to Ohio 03. And so I will say that all of the more recent strains that we have sequenced have been identical to Florida 13 at those eight sites, which means flu may be changing, but in those eight important sites where we expect our vaccine antibody to bind, the strains are tending to follow Florida 13 and they are different than Ohio 03. And so I just offer that information when you're deciding what vaccine you wanna use and why. And so we feel we've got some good field isolates and good data to follow the trend in influenza. And, and that we get asked that a lot. How do I decide? What vaccine do I use? And I would just say, pay attention to what strains are in the flu vaccine you're using. We also know adjuvant's important as well. Um, and then you wanna see some good studies to show that flu vaccine is still protecting against the strains that are circulating today, not the strains that you know were back 10, 15 years ago. Okay, well, that is some really good tips and it's a nice background reminder as we're heading into the time of year when veterinarians should start talking to owners about vaccinating and especially vaccinating against flu as the, the horses are starting to travel again. So thank you, Dr. Vala, for being our guest on today's episode of Disease Du Jour. And we'd like to thank our audience for listening to Disease Du Jour. And a big thanks to our 2020 sponsor, Merck Animal Health. Please listen and rate previous and future episodes of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Follow Equimanagement on Facebook or our website, or send me an email at kbrown at aimmedia.com. Disease Du Jour is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network. Mm-hmm.